0: You have been listening to The Natural Philosopher. This podcast was written and produced by Mick Pope. The theme music is from Antonio Vivaldi's Four Seasons, conducted by John Harrison with the Wichita State University Chamber Players and downloaded from the Free Music Archive. You can subscribe to this podcast on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can also like and comment on my Facebook page, Mick Pope, Natural Philosopher. Well, welcome to another episode of uh, The Natural Philosopher with me, Dr. Mick Pope. And finally, finally got organized and I have on the program, Jess Morthop. Jess,
1: welcome. Thank you, Mick.
0: I've been trying to work out how long we've known each other. Um, it's, it's a fair while. Uh, well, I mean, we first met at uh, viewers, uh, listeners, rather, uh, a rather, rather nice eco-theology conference at uh, Serafino Winery, just north of Adelaide. But I'm pretty sure we knew each other before then.
1: Yeah, I think the the church greening world is is reasonably small. So you tend to get to know other people who are passionate about it.
0: Yeah, it was a fantastic meeting. Um, friends of friends or Facebook friends or something or other. But uh, here we are doing a podcast together. So thanks uh, once more. So enough of, of us. How about you? So can you start? and tell us a little bit about your background and particularly how you came to marry your faith with ecological concerns.
1: Yeah so I guess um, growing up for me I was always very very passionate about the environment. Um, My parents really care about the environment and nature as well so it was kind of in the blood in the way that I was raised um and also I started going to church um you know Sunday school very young um so basically I guess I I've kind of thought about them as the two pillars of my life my faith and my love for the environment um and they've both always been there but I kind of had trouble particularly as a teenager trying to work out how to put them together. Um, And it was quite a struggle for me, actually. Like it was really hard because, yeah, I had this passion for the environment and I couldn't understand why God would have given me that passion if God didn't intend me to use it. Hmm. Um, But also, you know, I had this passion for for serving God and wanted to serve God in in the best way possible. Um, And so I wasn't kind of sure whether whether doing environmental things was that or whether, like, I had to become a minister in order to serve God kind of thing.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, But, you know, uh, thankfully, I was terrified of public speaking, so becoming a minister wasn't really an option. Um, and yeah, so I was just kind of looking for some help, looking for someone who could show me, um, that the environment actually mattered to God. Um, cause I think, um, you know, I don't hold it against them, but, but the people in the church that I grew up in didn't have kind of the resources, I guess, to help me with that particular journey. Um, they were great with, you know, helping me to, um, live out my faith and, and grow in that. Um, but they didn't quite know sort of where the environment fit in. Um, and a lot of people, you know, in society kind of had this line about how God just, um, you know, made the earth for humanity and therefore we can kind of use it however we wanted. Um, and you know, my, my heart said that that was wrong. Um, but I didn't have the biblical interpretation skills at that point in my life, um, to, yeah, to, to read the Bible in a different way. So I just kind of read it in a very literal way and, you know, that was the interpretation that I'd been given. So that was the interpretation that I saw. And like, it's really weird now, you know, I I look at the Bible now and I can see the environmental and creation care themes throughout the entire thing. Um, But I guess it's like, I'm wearing a different pair of glasses now to what I was as a teenager. Um, And yeah, so I really struggled with that for a very long time. and then I was lucky enough to be invited to an Asia-Pacific interfaith youth camp on climate change um, and an, an amazing experience. But, but the thing that, that ended up kind of changing my life the most was that they asked us to do like a little 10-minute talk about what your faith had to say about the environment. Um, and, you know, I went into it thinking, oh, no, you know, I'm going to have to show that Christianity is maybe not the best in this area. Um, but I did some research and I found some books on eco-theology. Um, and at first I was a bit sceptical, but, you know, I, I managed to find some really um, biblical, really kind of, um, I guess, at the level that I needed books um, that, yeah, convinced me that actually this was an incredibly important theme throughout the whole text and incredibly important to God. Um, and, yeah, so suddenly in my mind it was like these two pillars of my life came together and joined, um, and it was the most wonderful thing. I was so excited, um, yeah, to discover eco-theology. It just just opened my eyes to this whole new world. Um, So when I got home from the conference, I was like, okay, I need to do something with what I've learned. Um, And I looked around the churches and I was like, well, you know, if the Bible says that the environment is this important to God, why isn't every church in the country, you know, Mm -hmm. at the absolute forefront of fighting for action on the environment and on climate change, you know, this is kind of core business for us. Um, So why why aren't I kind of seeing it? Um, And so that was when I was motivated to start the Five Leaf Eco Awards to try and get churches um, to actually, yeah, um, kind of live up to what I now understood we should be doing
0: which is a wonderful segue into my next question. But before we do that, I'm just trying to think, is it Pope John Paul II who talks about an ecological conversion, which sounds very much like the experience you're describing?
1: Yeah, Pope Francis um, is really big, especially in Laudato Si on ecological (laughs) conversion. Um, And, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't a conversion to caring about the environment because I already did that, but mm. it was a conversion to being able to, yes, I guess see it in the text and see it as um, not something that was competing with my faith, but something that was actually very important to my faith.
0: And just a couple of quick name drops. You, you talked about a couple of books that you read at the time. Is there one or two significant ones that you could mention to, for people's reading
1: oh uh, the first one um that really hit me was fred van dyke uh redeeming creation um which yeah kind of talks about the biblical basis for creation care um i've read millions since then but that was that was kind of the first one
0: oh we all have a first book that we've read on that topic i can't remember what mine was, but there you go. All right, on to Five Leaf Echo Awards then. Can you tell us a bit about it, what the inspiration was for it, you know, where the idea came from and and how it works?
1: Yeah, so as I said, I was kind of looking for a way to get churches to kind of, um, I guess, up their act a bit um, and and do more in this area. Um, And at the time, I was actually working for... Fair Trade Labelling Australia and New Zealand Um, and I thought that that was a wonderful kind of model um, that was helping businesses to be um, more ethical uh, and also more sustainable Um, and so I was kind of like okay you know what would a kind of eco certification for churches look like Um, and So then I had a chat with a few people about the idea um, and it was kind of gently pointed out to me that, that you kind of can't make things, make churches do things um, because they're voluntary organizations. Mm. Um, So that kind of turned the idea into, you know, an award and, and incentive to try and encourage people towards, instead of the kind of audit and certification thing.
0: Okay, can you talk a little bit about because I know there's there's levels of the um, of the award what what they involve and what kind of things get recognised before a church gets, you know, it's it's first of five leaves.
1: Yeah, uh, so um, it's called five leaf five leaf because we cover five different areas: so buildings, worship, congregation, outreach, and community leadership. Um, And so the first award in the program, the basic certificate, gets churches to do a little bit in each of those areas um, just to kind of show their dedication and encourage them to take a holistic approach to caring for God's creation. Um, And then there are advanced awards in each of those areas.
0: Okay. So what's the, if if I was a a pastor of a church or I was, heading up an eco-theology group, of which there are some I've come across over the years, which is encouraging. What's know, like the, the quote-unquote bare minimum to be recognised? What sorts of things would the, they start with?
1: Yeah, uh, so the first thing you'd want to do is go for our basic certificate. Um, and as I say, it it is a, a holistic approach. So there's uh, a few different things that you have to do um, in fact, there's, there's seven steps towards that, that first award. Um, but basically, it's getting you to do things like an energy audit. It's getting you to look at how you can reduce your um, energy and resource use in the church um, and also get your congregation to do those kinds of things at home. Um, it's getting you to do some worship around environmental themes Um, It's getting you to do some outreach, so um, connecting with your wider community outside the church. Um, And it's, uh, yeah, getting you to do a special project which kind of shows your commitment to taking action for God's creation.
0: Hmm, Which we'll get on to. Um, Just for people who maybe have not done it before or considered it, what's involved in an energy audit? Is it just looking at your bill and trying to reduce that or or how do you evaluate your energy usage?
1: Yeah, uh, so in the basic certificate, we just get people to do a very simple kind of walkthrough audit, Um, but with some of the higher level, the eco building award, for example, um, that would require a proper energy audit done by by a professional. but really the reason that we ask people to do an energy audit is just to make sure that they know where the energy in their church is being used. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's not exactly where you expect it to be. Um, so, you know, a church might overlook something like um, their instant water heaters. Um, so, you know, some, some churches uh, use those instead of a kettle um Mm -hmm. and they're great because you know you have instant boiling water um for for church events um but if you're leaving something like that on 24 7 then it's just constantly boiling to Mm -hmm. try and keep the water at that temperature and it uses a massive amount of energy um so yeah uh It's just about kind of going around and making sure that there isn't anything like that or there aren't any, you know, um, vampire energy users um, that are sucking energy even when they're turned off. Um, Yeah, so that you can eliminate those things um, because it's always best to be as energy efficient as possible first before you then go on to maybe putting on solar panels or something Mm. like that.
0: Sure. That seems eminently sensible to say nothing of saving the odd dollar. Um, you talk also about uh, worship resources. Now, that's a bit of a, a bugbear of mine <laughs> and featured in the last chapter of one of the books I've written. Uh, that There's some truly awful hymnody out there that <laughs> points us well and truly in the other direction. So what do you look for uh, in worship resources that perhaps point the church in a more, um, to use a pun, I constantly use, more grounded kind of direction creation you know focused or
1: yeah i mean we we don't dictate to people um how they do their environment themed services as part of the award um but certainly i would be encouraging people um to investigate there's some wonderful new music around now um that it is far more up-to-date in terms of eco-theology and far more, um, yeah, I guess, uh, aware and encouraging of concepts of, you know, humanity as part of the web of creation um, and all of creation as loved by God instead of reinforcing some of those older models of, hierarchy and trying to separate humans or make out that the earth is for us.
0: Do you have any resources you point them to? I mean, we're going through, um, well, just about to finish Season of Creation. Uh, Is that one that you'd point people to? Uh, I mean, they produce new material annually and there are themes every year. Is that something that you'd say September's a really good time to focus on this in particular?
1: Yeah, I think Season of Creation is really great. Um, It's been a really helpful time for people to focus on the environment and to make it part of their liturgical calendar and part of those kind of uh, liturgical rhythms throughout the year, Um, which is important to show that, yeah, um, this is important and that the environment matters to God and it should be part of what we do in church. Um, And, you know, some churches feel that giving four or five Sundays to the environment um, is you know, too much, um, but I, I think that um, the environment should be part of our worship all year. So actually I don't think it's enough. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's a lot of new Season of Creation resources around now. Um, and as I mentioned, there's new music every year um, from wonderful songwriters. Um, I've actually just been working on pull, pulling together some of the creation themed songs um, from songwriters around Australia. So hopefully that'll be a resource soon. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot out there now. Um, like when I started doing this work back in 2008, um, you know, you, you do a Google search on eco theology and get a few pages of results. And now it's just completely exploded and I couldn't possibly keep up with all of the books and all of the articles and all of the amazing things that are happening in this space all around the world. Um, so yeah, I really think that it's evidence that the Holy spirit has been moving and has been pushing people towards this over the last few decades um, and you know some of us have taken a bit longer to hear the nudge than others, but um, there's some, ama- some amazing things happening now
0: well it's really coming to crunch time if we look at the the timeline of, of making it under whatever line in the sand you draw, whether it 's one and a half or two degrees and and dealing with the fact that they all come with a cost anyway um, Let's focus, you talked a little bit about special projects. I'm wondering if you've got any particular examples to share of of things churches have done that have been, you know, unique, local, contextualised expressions of their, their concern about the environment, how they've taken your um, award scheme and really run with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, there have been all sorts of really creative responses. Um, I think one of the great things about the awards is that it is, the criteria are written to be flexible um so you know it doesn't matter whether you're a tiny church or a huge church um you can kind of make the criteria work for you um and yeah I mean um there's things like um festivals uh celebrating sustainability um So St Saviour's Anglican Church in Western Australia, uh, which is four hours southeast of Perth. Um, So a small congregation in a small country town. um, And, um, yeah, they brought together everyone doing things around land and environment and everyone making kind of sustainable crafts and art and and things like that. Um, And... Created this conversation around how can we actually care for and love God's earth. Um, and then, um, you know, another a smaller example might be um, so, Adamstown Uniting Church in Newcastle um, is an incredible creative congregation, um, but uh, their children and young people wanted to be involved as well um and so one of the projects that they've done is actually just collecting cans and bottles for the return and earn Mm. um and then donating the money that they made from that to uh uniting world projects in the pacific um in order to help those suffering already the impacts of climate change um so yeah um Never never underestimate um, children and young people and the difference that they can make. Um, another thing that Adamstown did uh, with Meriwether Uniting Church um, was their two inspiracy conferences, um, and I was lucky enough to be part of the second one. Um, and that was incredible um, Again, bringing together art and um, people from all different kind of backgrounds and um, bringing together different ideas about social justice and the environment, um, different skills, um, was really a very, very powerful experience for me. Um, Even though I've been involved in this stuff for years now, uh, just the way that... um, yeah, the kind of art and creativity and, and music and videos and um, even flame dancing, um, you know, it, it brought to life the issues in, in new ways, um, which was really cool. Um, and then, you know, you have things like um, St. John's Cathedral in St. John's Anglican Cathedral in Brisbane. um which is, you know, this classic kind of beautiful soaring cathedral. Um, but then at the back, they have chickens and bees and worms. Um, and they have been uh, doing a carbon fast for Lent, for example, as well. So, again, lots of creative ways of making the environment um, part of the life and liturgy and witness of the church. Um, Brunswick Uniting Church in Melbourne um, do so many cool things. Um, but things like um, they've got the, an acknowledgement of country um, that's liter- literally written on stone. They've got these two stones in the garden out the front of the church um, with their acknowledgement on it so that it's there and it, it's part of the church. Um, and the garden around it is all of the indigenous plants that were there in that spot pre-colonization. So this is on Sydney road in Brunswick. So it's, you know, all fancy restaurants and completely built up concrete jungle, but they've created this tiny little oasis of what, yeah, the original vegetation was, Um, And it's really quite incredible. Uh, And they also um, supported their community in being able to um, eat and be more sustainable by uh, setting up a a food co-op. And so people could purchase environmentally friendly produce and um, food and all those things um, from the co-op instead of, you know, having to have trouble seeking out those same kind of things or or pay an absolute fortune um, for them. Um, And there's there's so many more amazing examples, but I feel like I'm going to talk all night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do have another couple of episodes, but, yeah, that's quite a a range of activities. Actually, my mum lives near Brunswick Uniting, and um, I'm hoping to visit there one day um, post-lockdown. What Tell I her th-
1: to check out their blessing of the bikes. That's another really cool thing that they do. Ah,
0: no, that's fantastic. I've not heard of that before. Um, maybe I'll ride mine over. Uh, <laughs>
1: and
0: well, actually, it's, and there's, there's no excuse. Melbourne's really picking up its act in terms of... So the road, we go along, goes past my son's high school, and they've got now a divide between the traffic and where the car's parked on the side of the road and the bike lane. So it's actually a safe prospect to ride along the road there. Um, Not along Sydney road necessarily, but you you see lots of people do. Uh, And once you get South of uh, Brunswick itself, it's there's bike lanes going to the city, but I digress slightly. Um, Just to finish up this, this particular episode, I hear, uh, and I'm inspired by the excitement and the enthusiasm in your voice. So I just want you to reflect a little bit about clearly the, one of the aims of the the five leaf awards, I think is to encourage people to think more broadly and creatively and to get excited because as you know, if there's not excitement and a bit of a shared vision, nothing happens. But I'm wondering if you could reflect upon how you've been excited, you've been encouraged by the things that you've seen, how that's, um, warmed your heart, encouraged your faith, given you some hope uh, that we might yet um, be able to take a big bite out of this this problem that's, that's climate change?
1: Oh, I mean, I have been massively. Uh, as I said, um, you know, I started this thing because I was looking around and I was like, why aren't churches doing anything? Like, I don't get it. Um, and actually what the awards has done for me is show that there are um, – you know people all around Australia who have been working some of them for decades um really really hard to make these things happen um and again like I said I, I think this is this is a movement of the Holy Spirit um that has been um inspiring people to go completely above and beyond um to make these things happen in their congregations and I don't think I've met any congregation where, you know, it was necessarily an easy journey, Um, but people have had the passion and the dedication to make these things happen. Um, And, you know, these things grow and they inspire each other. And um, yeah, one of the things I love about five leaf is, is being able to share these stories and, help um congregations to learn from each other um and to realize that yeah you know if if there's only one or two people in your congregation who are really passionate about the environment and they're killing themselves making things happen you know that can be a bit isolating so Mm. to help those people to realize that there are other people in other congregations doing the same thing um and also, you know, working really hard and together we're making a really big difference. Um, And yeah, it's amazing how these ideas can kind of feed into each other. So like the first award I ever presented was to Port Melbourne Uniting Church um, in Melbourne. And that was in 2009. And one of the great things that they do, they do lots of great things, but one of the things um, is a skills fest. Um, So kind of bringing together people who have skills to share and people who would like to learn. Um, And I often say to churches, you know, this is a really obvious kind of idea to take up because our churches are full of people with skills Um, And our communities are full of people who would like to learn many of those skills. Um, You know, it might be knitting or fermenting or, you know, there's so many great little um, things that can help us be more sustainable if we can have those skills. Um, So yeah, Port Melbourne does this as this annual skills fest, which is really awesome. Um, But then I mentioned this to Leichhardt Uniting Church in Sydney. Um, And their young people from the Christian Students um, Uniting um, and from the church got together um, during COVID and actually did an online version. So they filmed themselves doing little, you know, five minute videos of this is the skill that I have that can help you to be more sustainable. Or this is what I know about, um, you know, sustainable investing or, or um, being ethical about your money, for example. Um, and so they actually, yeah, um, made this kind of Facebook event where, where people could go and learn all of these skills. Um, and then you have somewhere like St. Luke's Heighton, St. Luke's Uniting Church in Highton in Geelong, Um They do a repair cafe, again, kind of using their skills to help people to um, learn how to repair the stuff that they have so that they don't have to throw it away. Um, Or when I went to speak to Campbelltown Uniting Church in Sydney, I shared with them my little uh, kind of PowerPoint of pictures of what churches are doing all around the country. Um, And they got really inspired by the solar crosses. So some churches have made crosses out of solar panels on their roof as, you know, a witness to both faith and care for the environment. Um, and Campbelltown thought that was so cool that they, they went and made it happen and now they have a solar cross as well.
0: There's a fantastic pun in there if you look closely enough, something about the sun.
1: <laughs> uh, Tacoma Uniting Church, yeah, um, their little slogan is powered by the sun.
0: Very good. I appreciate a good dad joke. Um, look, we, we could go on, but um, just to finish, if people want to find out more information about the Five Leaf Eco Awards scheme, where do they go? Uh,
1: to our website, fiveleafecoawards.org. Um, and if you'd like to find out how close your church is to earning an award, uh, there's a survey button on the front page. Just click that and tick the checkboxes.
0: Fantastic. Well, this is not our last conversation, but for this current one, thank you so much for your time and for your energy and enthusiasm, and God bless you for all you're doing. Um, And for the listeners, thank you for listening once more, and God bless. You have been listening to The Natural Philosopher. This podcast was written and produced by Mick Pope. The theme music is from Antonio Vivaldi's Four Seasons, conducted by John Harrison, with the Wichita State University Chamber Players and downloaded from the Free Music Archive. You can subscribe to this podcast on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can also like and comment on my Facebook page, Mick Pope, Natural Philosopher.